on and I didn't. Hi everybody, this is Jane. I've already done the introduction because I forgot to turn the mute button off, but welcome if you're listening on the computer. There you go. We're glad you're with us. We're asked, my question is, as a mom, where do you need courage today? Am I doing it right? What was the other one? How do I keep my son alive? Keep my son alive? Yes. Mm -hmm. teenagers. teenagers. I need courage with teenagers. You put them in a box, you cut a hole for food. <laughs> yeah. I think as a grandma, it's how you have a Christian family in the culture today. Oh, yeah. Being a Christian family strong in a culture that's anti-Christian today. Yeah. Not just nominally, but really anti. Don't give it to me. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. I knew that my daughter was ready to be on her own when she said, Mom, I know your, your intentions are good for me, but I really care about what God says in, the, in my heart about this. And I thought, oh, she's ready to be on her own. So, yeah, it just, how does their faith become their own, and how can I be sure that they'll stay with it? Yeah, those are good questions. One more. Anybody else? Do I have a place in the professional world, and how do I find it while raising kids? Yeah. How many of you are working moms? Yeah. How many of you stay home? Okay. Yeah. It's about half and half. Wow. That's good. All right. All right. Here's my definition of courage for you. Courage is the ability to act fully on what I believe, even when I'm afraid, or when I'm not sure of the outcome. Right? Courage is acting when you, you can't see the outcome necessarily, but you have the, you believe inside strong enough that this is where God is leading and you want to do it and you want to continue. Um, I want to be brave to go against culture today and its flow. Um, I want to be smart and educated on how to apply God's word to everyday life with my kids. And I want to love them with pluck. Pluck, with nerve, with boldness, in a way that people look at you and they say, what kind of love is that? Yeah? Um, before I begin, I want to add a disclaimer to my resume. First, I want you to know that I am a mom just like you. That's my credential, okay? Um, secondly, I want you to know that I am not a child psychologist and I am not a marriage counselor. I have had no professional training in parenting, except that my whole adult profession has been mom, and wife first, then mom. And I want to share today from my experience and, more importantly, from God's word and what he has to say. And thirdly, I want to offer you the best tool that I have. <laughs> Restart. Sometimes you're going one path with your kid, and you need to say, this is not working, I'm going to hit the restart button. You might even want to go buy one and put it in your kitchen window, because <laughs> you might need it more than once. But seriously, it, you don't, just because you're doing it one way doesn't mean you always have to do it that way. Something comes along better, and it's okay to say to your child, I am not doing this so well with you, and we're going to restart, and I'm going to go this way. So come on, you're coming along for the ride. We always told our oldest that she was the guinea pig, 
right? And the last one's the guinea pig, too, because you don't know. I mean, having a last child is different. I thought I might start uh, this morning to level the playing field with a mom fail story. I have a few. Um, I could tell you about the time that I left our house and got the, my daughter buckled in the car and almost out of the driveway and realized, oh, shoot, I just had a baby. <laughs> And she's in her car seat in the car in the house. I left her. Like, oops. All right. Yeah, I know. Or I could tell you about the time that I had all three girls in Target, and I'm checking out, and I look around, and I'm missing one of them. Ever had that? And Target shut the whole store down in seconds, and within seven seconds, they found her in the bathroom. She decided to go on her own. You know. So know that they do have good, quick policies there. Just shout out for Target. They tell you what to buy when you walk in, you know. But the worst was the morning that Megan was in high school for youth moms, right? She was the kid who you don't talk to Megan in the morning till she talks to you. That was the rule. And uh, she's sitting on the floor in the laundry room putting her tennis shoes on. She has been crabby all morning, like so bad. And um, I, she couldn't find stuff, and it was just getting out the door to get to the bus or whatever. She probably drove by that time. But I remember she was so annoying to me that I may have sworn at her <laughs> and called her a bad name that starts with a B. <laughs> Some of my friends are all, that's a swear word? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In our house, that was a swear word. And I, I, I like spewed that out on her, and I could never take it back. Like she looked at me like, because oh, I never swear, ever. And that just came out somewhere. And um, after school, um, I went to her cross-country meet, and she comes running up before her race and hands me a card, and then took off not even looking at me like here, <laughs> you know? And she had gone on her lunch break and bought a card and wrote me an apology. And so it's a mom fail story because I should have never sworn. But it also was, a, she said it was a good awakening for her that she needs to be kind with her words in the morning. And you know, I helped her husband with that in the future, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. There's very little in the Bible that talks about mothering right? Not a whole lot. But there are many good principles for us to know, like don't use abusive language. There are teachings to cling to and build a foundation to be a good mother. Lots of principles. But I feel like one of my jobs today is to give you the courage to believe in Jesus and live out your faith with conviction towards your children. That is going to make you the best mom ever to live out the convictions of your faith with your children in a way that is like Jesus, with grace and kindness and compassion. And he got a little tough at times too, right? So let's pray, and then we will jump in. Lord, I, I ask that you will just take these words and um, that there will be unction from your Holy Spirit to use them in the nooks and crannies of these moms' lives and their hearts and their heads. And Lord, we can't do any of this without you. We are so grateful for you. Thank you.
In your name I pray, amen. All right, I gave you a handout just to keep you awake, I said. So I want to talk first of all about filling up and following. Fill up and follow as a mom. I want to give you courage in this. We have to fill up each day of motherhood by going to the power source. Time to meet with God. How many of you, your kids get up before the rooster? Right? It's hard to find time with God when your little ones are up before you are. So you got to find it somewhere else in your day. You really, really do. Um, I remember I had one that got up early, but most of our kids got up late, which was great till they got in high school. And then it's really hard to get them out of bed for school. But those early years were good. But I remember having to find time in the evening. I'd crawl in bed and get my Bible and think I'm going to read and pray, and I'd be out cold because I was so tired from my day. But getting into God's Word on a daily basis is going to make you a good mom, okay? And a good wife, and a good friend, and a good person. I mean, all those things. It's going to improve you. So that's, that's a high suggestion. I want to say, if we don't spend time with Jesus, where do we think we're going to get our wise words from? And where do you think the, the patience that you need is going to come from? Don't pray for it. But spend time asking the Lord to show you his patience in the Bible. I'm teasing, right? Um, and, and where do we think the discernment that we, when we need to know something that's going on in our child's life, you need discernment because you can't get the words out of them, but you know something's going on. Where do you think that comes from? I know that that does not come from my own natural self. I, I already know that. It doesn't come from my head. It doesn't come from my heart. I have some practical wisdom, but that discernment to be able to see light and dark in their lives, I can't do that unless I'm spending time in God's Word, really. Um, and I want to encourage you to find time and find a system of reading His Word that works for you. Um, Anybody want to share what they do to get in God's word that works for them? I'm yeah. Walking, listen to sermons while I'm walking. walking and exercising. That's great. Yeah, listening to God's word. <laughs> you go lock yourself in a walk-in closet. Yeah. Right. Right. That's good. Kind of like the war room. <laughs> yes. I have a big family and spend a lot of time in my laundry room. There you <laughs> And as you fold and yeah. Who to thunk? I know. That's good. Very good. I think, too, teaching your kids to read their Bible is a great way to, for you to stay plugged in for a while. I, with my son, we, when he was in junior high, we did the read through the Bible in a year. So it was great because it was teaching him to read nonfiction, right, which is hard for kids to take in, and history. And uh, it was great till we got to Song of Solomon. Then he's like, 
we'd take turns reading out loud. He goes, Mom, I'm not reading any of this out loud. And I'm like, okay. Her breasts will satisfy you. And, oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> To read their Bibles, I model it for them. Yeah, so. yeah. and then it's part of it's part of our discipline of daily things that we do. Sometimes we do it as a family, like at dinner, we'll read a passage and talk about it. But family devotions didn't go so well with four kids, you know, honestly. But a lot of it was just training them, and um, and at bedtime, we always read. So we could read a passage with them and then let them read whatever else they're going to read for bedtime. Um, so it's, it, a lot of it is example in teaching them to read it. And your kids need to know their Bibles. We're going to talk about this in another section. Quickly. We had a fun thing called Sticky Situations, uh-huh. which would, it gave an interesting little fun scenario that yeah. they relate to. And then it always related back to the Bible and give four choices on what to what you would do, what would Jesus do, basically? Right. Actually, so much fun. And let him interact. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to say this again. If you're not filling up yourself, how do you expect it to leak out of you onto them? Right? You, you have to do it yourself. And I'll tell you what, it works. And so as it works in your life, they're going to see it and say, hey, I, I want that. I'll, I'll show you another example of that. Um, the other thing is prayer. Prayer is a really important part of this. I'm, I've always been better at spending time in his word than I have been at praying. I don't know why. It's just my makeup. Um, like when I pray, I lose track <laughs> and get distracted. So I started praying on my computer. And I save them by days in months. And um, I journal my prayers. I can type and look out the window. Um, but that has been really helpful for me. And I also pray the Lord's Prayer every day that I pray. Um, and, and I'll just give you an example. I pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. Right? That part? Lord, what in my day is your kingdom today? I want to see it. I want to be part of it. Whether it's the clerk at the grocery store, or it's one of my kids, or it's a neighbor, what, I want to see where you're working, and I want to be aware, and I want to be part of it. And I, if I don't do that every day, I miss. I totally miss it. And then I pray for his will over my own. Now, I know none of you have a strong will, but I do. And I know that I will stomp on God's will if I'm not watching. And I know that each day if I could surrender that to him, I have a much better chance of being a good mom. <laughs> so the whole praying. Um, I, I found this book years ago. It's called Upside Down Prayers for Parents. And this is praying for your kids. And it's not, this is a devotional part of it. I think there's a book also. But 31 Daring Devotions for Entrusting Your Child and Yourself to God. And it's really praying upside down, not for their safety and their protection and that they get a best friend and da-da-da-da. But, Lord, I want you to build character in my kid. And what does that mean? It means that they're going to walk through something that's going to develop character. And I want to walk with them and be aware of it and walk them through it. 
with God's guidance. So just a thought on that. The other thing I want to say is there has been times, and I've shared this in years before too, I had one daughter that was especially tricky because our personalities were completely opposite. Do you have a child that's opposite you? Yeah, we're all yeah. Um, I think God does that on purpose, sense of humor. So I, I really felt like I needed help with her. I just, I, I, we were clashing, it wasn't going well. So I went to a friend of mine, I said, do you have any books on this? You know, because I'll read a book. And, and, she, and or, or do you know of a child psychologist that I could go talk to just to figure out my kid's personality and how I could be a better mom? And she said, yeah, I have a great child psychologist, but she will not see you until you have spent 30 days on your knees at that child's bed praying for them. I'm like, duh. Like, God could help me. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? And so I did. 30 days. And guess what? She got so much better. No. <laughs> she didn't change at all. <laughs> but I changed. And my heart changed towards her. Because God was doing his thing. So... Prayer is so key to being a good mom. You got a child with issues, get on your knees at their bed. It's easier when they're asleep because you know how kids look when they're asleep. Like, they're so sweet. Yeah. It's much easier than when they're awake. The other thing I think of is to uh, time with other moms and in community. And churches are really great at having programs like that, mops, all of that. I had a neighbor who I just love and adore. And our kids, she had five, I had four. We just, we lived down the street. The kids were over all the time because we had the same mentality as to screen time, as in like, there is no screen time. You're gonna go outside and play and Legos in the basement when it's snowing. You don't have that, but we did. And just those kind of things that we had the same, we were on the same team as moms. And she would give me courage, like she would say, oh, so-and-so did this, and I just, he got this punishment. I'm like, ooh, I could be bold and, like, I could punish my kid if they did that. You know, where sometimes you're like, oh, how do I handle this? And just to hear another mom and how she's doing it, it's helpful, right? We would drop our kids at the bus stop, take the dogs, and go for a three-mile walk every day. It was so good. And we'd talk about all kinds of things, but half the time we would walk and we would pray out loud for each other and for our families. And that was amazing in helping me be a good mom. So find community, find a friend, find a mom, somebody. Um, when you fill up with Jesus, this is an easier, oops, I'll hit the right button. Did I hit it wrong? Go oh, there we go. Know what to do when you don't know what to do. This is on the wall in our kids' high school in Colorado. Know what to do when you don't know what to do. How do you know what to do when you don't know what to do? You've already built that foundation in your heart and in your mind and in your soul on the word of God and on prayer and time with other believers. That is the foundation. And when something goes up that you don't know what to do, you know what to do because you've already built that up in you. Much better than being unprepared. All right, 
I already asked you what you're doing, so I'm going to go to follow. And I just want to go quickly through this. Um, I, I'm a pastor's wife, so I'm going to hit these good for you. And you can take them or leave them, but if you leave them, I'm going to be after you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I am going to encourage you as a mom to have courage to get your kid in church on a regular basis. Do you know that most Americans go to church twice a month? And I'm going to say Facebook church does not count. <laughs> I mean, there are times when you're on vacation, when you've got a kid home with a flu, uh, you know, all those times like that. It's great to be able to go on live and watch your church service. But your children need to be in the community and fellowship of other believers in church. It is so important. And so do you, by the way. You need to be there to learn from God's word and from those who have been anointed to deliver it to you. Um, teaching your children the importance of gathering together in God's house is so key. I used to have moms that would say, my kid can't sit through Sunday school and church. And I'm like, do they go to school? Like, and then I love this quote from Alistair Begg, what you feed them, they get used to. They do. And um, I always used to also say, talk to the hand. Like, my kids are here from 7.30 to 1 on a Sunday. And Saturday night sometimes, too. So I got four. And I have to do it every week by myself. Because my husband is not home on Sundays. Right? I know, I had to go to Sunday school by myself. No, no. Anyway, I remember one Sunday, Caleb was... Um, he missed a baseball game because they had a game on Sunday. And he's at church, and this man came up to him and said, Caleb, how come you're not at your game? And he said, well, God's more important than my baseball game. And he was probably 12. Oh, I gave away his name. Oh, well, that's okay. So I was going to call it. It doesn't sound as good when I say Bronco. But he, uh, he, he said God's more important. And this guy, he came up to Mike afterwards, and he goes, I just like got schooled by a 12-year-old. Like I let my kids do whatever on Sunday. And um, the, just that statement, God is more important. What are we teaching our kids when we don't take them to church on Sunday or Saturday night, whenever it is that you go? So I'm pushing you in that area, okay? Secondly um, is the idea of serving. We serve in our church, our local church, even though we are full-time in ministry here. And we served when Mike was a pastor. We all served in some capacity. Um, what are the gifts that you've been given? It, and you may use them with, not within the church walls, but outside of the church walls too. That's fine. You, you could serve outside, but serve somewhere. And show your kids how to serve. And better yet, get them to serve with you. Um, we would take our kids down to a place in Denver called Open Door Ministries, and there was a home there. They had a bunch of homes for women and men coming out of addiction and all kinds of stuff, right? A safe house. They had all, all these homes. They were beautiful downtown Denver. And um, I remember one Christmas, we took all four kids, and it was the Kaya house. And we brought dinner to make. So these women, there are about five of them, and they're helping make dinner. And some of them never cooked before. Like, they're in there, and they've had a really rough life. 
And then we took um, gingerbread houses and we helped them build gingerbread houses around the table with our four little kids. And those women were eating that candy faster than they were getting it on the house. Like, it was so cute and special to watch. And we watched Miracle on 34th Street. And Aubrey played her clarinet and played away in a manger or something for them. It was so sweet. And I loved watching my kids serve those women. Guess what? My daughter, Megan, works for Open Door Ministries. And she's lived in the Kaya house now. And she, on a daily basis, raises money for that ministry. That's her job. And she would have never done that had we not gone down and built gingerbread houses with those women. I mean, we teach our kids to serve, and then you just watch what God does. If you're afraid of your kid walking away from their faith, Put them in a situation like that where they learn how valuable their faith is. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the future. Um, kids who serve in church are more apt to stay in church. Um, puppet ministry, children's ministry, leadership teams, whatever you're going to do, get them involved in serving. They can from the time they're little on up, however you choose to do that. And then missions-minded. Be missions-minded with your kids. How many of you have taken your kids on a missions trip? Raise it high, girls. Courage, man. That's good. How many of you yourselves have gone on a missions trip? Yeah. We, it's good to go out of the country, in the country, wherever it is that you do. We took each one of our kids on a trip there when they were in high school. Just mom and dad and one child. And... Uh, just what God showed them was amazing. We would go visit missionaries in different countries that went to our church. You can do that if you're not a pastor. And just encourage them. We'd babysit their kids so they could go out to dinner. We, we dug in to see what they were translating or how they were working. And we often cho chose missionaries that had kids the same age as our kid we were bringing. And one of those kids from Spain ended up being in Megan's wedding later from that trip that we had taken. And our kids love missions because they've been and they've seen it. Caleb, we moved here, and he was a sophomore, and we're like, where are we going to go on a missions trip from here? And Mount Hermon um, has a sister camp in, out of Beijing, China. Now, just think about that. A Christian camp. Yeah, I'm not telling you where it is. It's top secret because they are under huge persecution there as believers. But he got to go and see the world in China and what Christians live against and what they are doing and how they are flourishing for Jesus because he served in missions there. Um. I found this quote. It says, Christianity is more than just a philosophy. It's a way of life. We can't confess our faith in worship services and then set it aside when we leave the building. Our faith goes with us. It permeates our thoughts and actions every day of the week. And if I can give you courage to do anything, it's to live that faith out so your kids see it and feel it and know it. Um, and you aren't going to be perfect in it, believe me. It, well, I'm not, I know. I've sworn at my child. 
As Christians, we don't believe in a list in lists of do's and don'ts in our relationship with Jesus, right? It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. We don't believe in the teachings of Jesus, but we believe in Jesus, right? Think about that. We believe in Jesus, the person of Jesus, because he is our God. So important. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in my teachings will be saved. Is that right? No. Whoever believes in me will be saved. So different than any other teaching. You know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm teaching tonight at a young adults gathering down at a church in Santa Cruz, and I'm doing I am the gate or I am the door to the sheep. And I just love that it's through him that we are saved. And I want to just say, you know, we believe in a personal God, and he should be part of our every single day. So we have to fill up and follow him. Um, if, it, is your personal relationship with Jesus spilling out on your kids? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? A daily walk with him? And you can choose to surrender your will to him. And he will save you if you believe in him. And he's going to turn around your whole trajectory in how you mother and how you are a wife, all of those things, if you're following him on a daily basis and filling up with him. If that's something, I, I work with seekers all the time. I love people who have questions about Jesus. If that's you, come, come see me. I would love to talk with you or listen to what your concerns are. Okay? Moving on. Oh, by the way, I want to say, if, if that hasn't been your path, then this, this is your button. <laughs> this is your button. Maybe you need to restart. We had a camping family, first week of camp. And um, a mom came up to me afterwards, and she goes, I, I'm that person. I'm a seeker. I have no idea anything about who Jesus is. No idea. And I, I think I might want this. Their whole family just signed up to come to camp. None of them knew Jesus. Never know. Never know. It's so important. He's so good. He works. He works really good. All right, next one. Talk and train. Talk and train. Talking to your kids, communicating with your kids. You've got to have courage to do that. All right? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know that one. My parents' generation didn't do that so well, but I wanted to change that in my mothering, and I wanted to have conversations that felt more free and natural and safe with my kids. Um, mom fail. Ready? I, is this is Megan. She was my guinea pig. So I'm, Mike and I decided that we were going to talk about sex with our kids. I would tell the girls, and he would tell the boys. Well, I got three, and he got one, so no fair. But first child, 
We told them between uh, third and fourth grade, that's when they got it from us. You do whatever you want, but that's when they moved from the primary playground to the older playground, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, or fourth and fifth graders. So, and they got sex education at school in fifth grade. So we wanted to hit it early, and we, we hit all that early too. So my first talk was with Megan, and she just happened to be buckled in the back seat of the car where I didn't have to look her in the eye and tell her. And she's like, you know, Mom, I have the rear view mirror. And I don't know, it came up with women parts or something, you know, and we were just talking about it, and I told her. So then we went to the grocery store, and we're walking in there, and Megan says to me, Mom, I was just like, I was looking at everybody, like the clerk behind the counter, thinking, she does that? You know, it was so funny. Well, to me, it was funny. But it was not the right way to tell my daughter. Um, later, with Noelle, the youngest, we were on a bunk bed on the top. And I was telling her. And I had you know, little women things out on the bed to tell her and talk to her. And the girls came in from youth group, and they came running in the door, and they saw what was going on. And they both, because I learned, they both hopped up on the bed because they wanted to be part of the conversation and scare their sister to death is what they wanted to do. So just really being open and not afraid to converse about those things. Girls are a little bit easier. You know, Mike did Caleb. I didn't have to worry about that. But... Um, secondly, we need to ask lots of good questions. Ask your kids lots of good questions. What's a good question? What have you already heard? And not just about sex, but about anything. Asking good questions is good parenting. What's your biggest fear? That's good. Yeah. What are you thankful for? That's good. Oh, yeah. Who got in trouble today at school? Was it you? <laughs> yeah, ask good questions. Tell me about your friend. What do you like about her? What's hard about her? What's her family like? Keep communicating openly and ongoing. It helps with understanding when more difficult topics arise. Um, you've already developed your system of expectation and high trust with them. My daughter Megan and I would sit, when she was dating Eric, we sat out on the porch swing and I would say, tell me how it's going. You know, what's going on? I said, how are you doing with quiet, private time with Eric? How's your physical life going? I could ask her that because I had started asking her that when, I mean, from little, talking openly about all of those things. Not prying, but really wanting to have courage as a mom to know so I could help her walk it and navigate it better than I had. Yeah. Um, here's another thing. At the table, ask skeptics questions to your kids. Don't let their college professor be the first one to throw in a ringer question that shakes their faith. You ask it. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Let them defend it at your kitchen table rather than in a college classroom. The Bible contradicts itself. 
What do you think about that? All kinds of questions. Why does God allow evil to happen to good people? They need to know. They need to know how their Bible's put together. They need to know the history behind it. They need all of that before they get to college. And if you're not asking those questions, somebody else is going to ask them. And your kid isn't going to know the answer. And they're going to ask back. You know, maybe you have them bring a question to the table. It's so important, ladies. I can't even tell you. Have courage to say, I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm going to find out. You know, don't forget to do that. Ask good questions. And not accusatory questions. Be careful. You're a mom. You know how to do that. Train. Train your kids. Um, oh, each child will look different. That's pretty obvious. Train them. I'm going to tell you image, physical, heart, and tongue. Physical image, ooh, that's a hot button these days, right? Why do you need courage to train your children with their image? Yeah. Because my daughter wears short shorts and tight leggings and doesn't understand why she shouldn't. Right. And she because needs. Everybody else is. Oh, yeah? Really? <laughs> yeah, and she needs to know why. Right? It's part of training. They're, remember, their brains are not fully developed. Do you, rem you know that? Yeah. It, seriously, you have to teach them. Um, more, more than just the outer body image, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to say we also need to teach our children the image of being a woman and being a man. So important. We need to teach our boys how to be young men. And um, I want to just put this caveat in there. It's in like brackets here. There is so much confusion these days. And some of you may have a child who's choosing what they want to be. And I just want to tell you, if that's your story, then I'm going to encourage you towards love and grace and healthy modeling of what it means to be male or female yourself and a careful study of God's word. Careful study. You know, a lot of the problem going on is that Christians are divided in what they believe. Not only how to handle it, but what they think the scripture believes. I want to give you a great title, People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. What a name. Um, Mike has been busy writing um, policy for Mount Hermon on LGBTQ. Can you imagine what we face here at a Christian camp where we have overnighters and all kinds of stuff and how we handle the different kinds of people that come through our doors? This book is written in such a way that you don't even know what the guy believes until almost the end. And it is phenomenal. Um, as far as teaching you God's word. So that's just a recommendation if you need that. And, but I want to tell you, in teaching our kids to be um, to, in their physical image, boys, you know, a lot of them are late bloomers. And how to take care of their body is an important part of what we do as a mom, right? I have to say my son was far better at hygiene than my girls were. I don't know what it was. But he, he would shower, and I didn't have to tell him to. Um, teaching them how to be healthy eaters as boys. They like the carbs. Do your kids like the carbs? 
And it's great when they're 19 and skinny as a rail, but they're not always going to be that way. So we need to teach them. Teaching them to be gentlemen. When I go somewhere with Caleb in the car, I sit and wait for him to come and open my door because his dad opens my door. And I love that he sometimes will say, Mom, stay there. And he'll go around and open the door for me. He, if we're walking, he walks on the outside of the sidewalk. Because I've trained him that I don't want to get run over by a car. I'd far rather have him get run over. <laughs> <laughs> and girls' physical image is more important than, to them than it should be. And I'm just going to say, think of yourself. You know that they measure themselves up to their peers, right? Um, but let me ask you this. Do you measure them up to their peers? Do you allow them to wear what you, they want to wear because their peers wear them? How's that going for you? You want them to fit in, and, but so they don't stand out in a way that is so awkward that they don't feel comfortable. But there's got to be some kind of happy medium there, or modesty is a part of it. In our household, dad took them clothes shopping. We were up against the short pants that like were so low. Do you remember that way back? Now they're coming back to the high pants, which is great. But those low pants, and Mike would say, they can't wear those. I said, OK, you take them shopping. Like, I can't find any pants higher. Seriously. You know, so we came up with those long tanks that went down to cover the midsection that would show. And he took them prom dress shopping, right? And I taught him, like, you think that a strapless is less modest, but really it's more modest because it goes across straight. And we had one child that was blessed. and. You know, a V-neck wouldn't work. And he, they'd come out in their prom dress, and he'd say, does that come with a turtleneck? <laughs> and then we had the Bow Wow shirts. If, if you bow, and he says, wow, it wasn't allowed. Right? <laughs> the Bow Wow shirts. So he, the kids would come down and go, that's a Bow Wow shirt. Back up. <laughs> you know. So he really helped in that department. If you don't have that support in your home, Go out and find it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, become, you become that one. But how do you do it as a loving mom? You know, you've got to search that the scripture and that how, our, how we appear is important in the eyes of the Lord. And he wants us to be modest. I have two brand new believers who they started like dressing more modestly. And I didn't tell them to. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in their life to say, I'm not feeling comfortable in this anymore. I'm like, yay, God, I didn't have to do it. You do it. So if it's a problem, you may have to pray. Oh, novel concept that God could help in that department. Um, physical worth, there's balance there. You know, I want to say with your daughters, guard your words in their physical image, carefully. Do you have any words that are in here from someone in your family that hurt and are still there? Yeah, those words don't go away. So be really careful. Come at it from a health point of view. I want you to be healthy. I have one kid, you know, I just can't get 
this kid away from sugar coffee. Like, I can't. I don't know what it is. So we talk about self-control. Hmm. That's the problem. The weight is not the problem. It's self-control. It's a spiritual problem. And her sisters are quick to point it out. Ah, another problem. Um, your daughter's physical image will be far healthier if her heart image is healthy. So move on to heart image. I love this verse, and I'm saying this for daughters in particular. Clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. Teaching our daughters to have that, that outward behavior comes from that inward thinking. We have to teach our kids, boys and girls, how valuable they are to God. They are valuable to him. And they need to hear that. Not just, I'm proud of you, and I love you, and you look great in that, or whatever. But do you know how much God loves you today? And how proud of you he is? You know, they need to hear those words of affirmation from their moms, for sure. Um, and I would ask this of you. How are you doing with your own worthiness before the Lord? You know, maybe our girls struggle with it because we struggle with it. Probably open conversations back and forth would be helpful. I love Psalm 139. It's one of my very favorite. I sat with a mom today who's suffering from shame and regret in her own life and just walked her through Psalm 139. You know, God knows her and loves her. He puts, he, oh, no signal. I probably hit the wrong screen again. No? Sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> I know. I don't know what happened. Okay, well, you're going to get pretty, pretty pictures there. Oh, wait, is it going to come back? I don't know. All right. Psalm 139. He sa it says he puts his hand on our shoulder. And he's, he knows us inside and out. Your kids need to know that. God is, God is there for them. And he has chosen them. So important to tell them. And then I just want to say training the tongue. Training the tongue. That's like a key. Um, and I only say that because you're all women. <laughs> we need it, right? Have you ever gotten into trouble because of your tongue? Was that a yes? yes. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, our example is their training. How are you doing with gossip? Are you processing what somebody did to you? Or processing out loud what somebody did to somebody else? We have a saying in our house, if it's not our story to tell, we don't tell it. If it's not our story to tell, we do not tell it. It belongs to somebody else, and no disparaging words. So we had to work through that, and our kids would catch us, like, because we have a lot of church talk in our home and ministry talk. So we had to be really careful, and both of us learn. It's not healthy for us to do that. How about this one, ladies? Tone. How are you doing with your tone? You're in the way you speak to your husband. I've heard some of you here at camp. 
in giving directions to your husband. Like, you go get the kids. I'm going to go lay down, or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm not saying you, but in general, through the eight weeks of camp, nine weeks of camp. Um, our tone, our kids pick up on it. Yeah. Do any of your girls roll their eyes? Yeah, not mine. Yeah. Be careful. And, and training our boys to speak kindly of girls. I have never been in a boys' locker room, but I have heard. And do you realize the trash talk that boys do? And in teaching our sons that that's not okay, it's not okay to rip on a girl's body with a bunch of boys. They do that. And you don't want your son to be part of that. So how do you train him? You know, everyone's made in God's image. Every person is important to the Lord. And we want our kids to know that. And we want them to respect other people and their body. And they're not going to know that if we don't tell them and train them. Train, train our tongue. Good. All right. The last one. Oh, and I want to say to you with that, boom, hit the reset button if you need to. Okay? Hit the reset button. I, I just think that we need to, oh, there it is. We need to sometimes do that. The next is, is to listen and love. And I'm going to wrap up with this. I love this verse. Understand from James. Understand you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Uh, it's an old proverb that he quotes in the book of James. It wasn't new to him. And I think as moms, this is really good for us. How many of you are better at talking than listening? High, raise it high. Yes, we are, I think, a lot of us. So how do we be quick to listen? I wish it was my default. It is not. I gave my son permission to come up to me at any time and grab my chin and lift my head and say, Mom, you're not listening. Now, he's 6'2", so he can do that very easily now. But I, I, I realized I wasn't being a good listener for him. I listen to the, the first little bit to get what they're saying, and then my mind goes somewhere else, and I'm busy. And I know that's not good. So I know none of you do that, but that's my default. And I miss details that, of their life that I don't want to miss. So I'm going to give you courage to like check out of what you think needs to be done and listen carefully to your children. They're going to tell you things that are amazing in their life. Um, and if you have more than one kiddo, it's kind of hard. I have one child who is a verbal processor. She tells you this in the first 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And then she tells it again this way in the next 10 minutes. And then this way. It's the same thing, right? All the way around. And I, oh goodness, it is so hard for me. She, and she knows she's a verbal processor. And I will try to fix it. Have you ever done that? Try to fix it. And she goes, Mom, you don't need to fix it. I'm like, oh, then why are you telling me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I, it's so hard for me with her. And we've talked about it. And I'll say, OK, you've got to know you're a verbal processor. I am not. So we have to come to a happy medium, right? So we talk about that with each other. Like, I can't, I can't take all your words. 
dad can. And he, he can. I don't know what it is. And I'm all, are you listening the whole time? He goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, mm. when, when this child had her appendix burst this last year, um, she came home, and I was set. She was going to do Weight Watchers with me, because I was doing it, and we're eating that food anyway. And she was going to be in a Bible study, and she was going to get a job. And I had all these things. And she goes, Mom, I am not your project. Like, yeah, you're 22. I guess not. Yeah, you never stop parenting, right? It was good. I'm I've learned over the semester that she's been home. Our empty nest was three months and then gone, like trick birthday candles. (laughs) Blow them out, they come right back. (laughs) Oh, you guys will laugh at this, but we have a very small home here, and it's. Beautiful, but the kids' bedroom is directly under the master bedroom. To which my son said, Mom, I just want you to know we can hear everything. <laughs> All right, that was way too much information. Um, yeah, she's not my project, and I am just praying my socks off for her. And I tell my kids I'm praying for them. I said, you might not like what I'm praying for you, but I'm praying this for you. And what else do you want me to pray for you? You know, courage to live out your faith every single day with your kids. Let them know what you're struggling with. Let them know what you're doing okay with. Be real with them. But you're not their friend, ladies, till they get older. It's so nice. I went and visited my two older daughters in Denver. We went shopping, out to dinner. I don't have to fix anything in their life. They're, you know, they're adulting now. But... Listening is really important. There's a book um, somebody suggested last week, so I have not read it, but I'm going to suggest it. It is called Triggers. Triggers. And it has to do with exchanging parents' angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. So there may be something that you listen to in your kids and you want to respond back, um, slow to get angry, that whole part of the verse, (laughs) that this might help. Something they say triggers something in you, or it could be the eye roll or whatever. And to figure out what those triggers are and help you move past that, it might, might be helpful. And then I'm going to say, lastly, love. Being a mom comes with a job description of servant of all, right? You must be willing to sacrifice your own goals and desires for the good of those entrusted to you. And that's really what it is. And you guys are good at it, or you wouldn't be here. You really are. You care about your kids. You care about their spiritual walk, or you wouldn't take them to a Christian camp for a week. So good job. Good job on that. But how do we love them? You know this book. It's old. Acts of uh, Oh, there's the restart. The Five Love Languages. How many of you have read that? Yeah, it, it's just timeless to me. You know, And if you don't know your kids' love language, it will help you be a better mom if you can. Um, you can guess Noel's words of affirmation and quality time. And then mine is acts of service. So I don't go do good with quality time. I remember lining them all up as a kid, at kids after their bath one night, all four of them, and I cut 80 nails <laughs> just down the line. You know, I cleaned out eight ears. And I said, do you know why I do this? because I love you. It's an act of service. So I drive 
on that for love. I made their bed or did whatever because I loved them. So if they left their shoes around or they didn't pick up after themselves, it was like I was wounded as a mom. Like, you don't appreciate me and you, you know. But because acts of service, if they would offer to help do the dishes, but I have to remember that this isn't closed yet and they aren't going to offer to do the dishes unless I train them to. I have to train them. And guess what? Training takes more than asking them one time. Courage, moms. It's not that they do it because they don't love you. It's because they're kids, and that's just not even on the radar for them, right? So we train them to do it. We train them. And then I love this verse. I, well, well, first of all, I just want to reiterate. I want to give you courage today to believe in Jesus and live your faith out with conviction with your kids. Let them see the good. Let them see the bad. Talk about the doubt. Talk about the questions. You want it to come from you, right? And then I love this passage, and I never thought about it in this term until I prepared this talk. A mother's love is patient. It resists saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, right? Or being on your cell phone, walking in the store, and not knowing that where your child is behind you. It's like, it's patient, and it's like looking. A mother's love is kind. It is taking up a snack to the teenager who procrastinated studying for their exam and is pulling a late-nighter. And it's taking up a snack and saying, hope you get done what you need to get done. I love you. Right? It doesn't boast, and it's not proud. How many dirty socks have you turned right side out? after they've been washed. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't dishonor others. No gossip. Watching your tone of voice. It, is, is, it isn't self-seeking or easily angered. Focusing on listening and truly hearing what your kids have to say and their needs above your own. It keeps no record of wrongs. No resentment. They can ask for forgiveness at any time, can't they? Can your kids ask for forgiveness at any time? Do you know that you could do that to the Father, too? And as you do that more and more, you will give more and more. Yeah. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. We want a clean slate with our kids, and it drives us to our knees for their salvation. And it makes us want to train them before they get out in the world, or as they're in the world. What are the questions you're hearing from your friends? What are the doubts you have about your faith? Let's talk about them now at the kitchen table or in the car when they're buckled in and they can't get out. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That's a mom's love, and it never fails. If you need courage in your mothering today, I just want to challenge you to start praying and asking God for it. And talk to another mom, or come talk to me. I'll pray for you. We all, we all have something. And if you don't, you will, right? You will, yeah. Let me close this. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the reality that really to raise our kids in this society, in this world, we cannot do it without you. And you speak to us all the time through your Holy Spirit, through your word, through smart people around us who have your wisdom. May we just depend on you as we face these little and big people in our lives that we want to love and serve. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be good moms because you're a good God and we love you. In your name, amen.